0: Thanks. I'm sorry, no one's available. Leave a message. We'll call you back in 24 hours. That screams, you got no choice. That is pretty much classic for you're going to be in a lot of hurt. Dr. Jonathan Baptari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things, which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Baktari, M.D., Dr. Baktari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Baktari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Hi, welcome to Bakhtari MD. This is Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari, where you're going to get the inside scoop on healthcare. And today, what we're going to be talking about is how to pick a primary care doctor. It's probably a, one of the most important decisions people make in their healthcare. And if you are the type of person who seeks out your primary care for many things, as well as your healthcare, lifestyle issues, exercise, weight loss, and whole host of things, picking a good primary care doctor can be very, very important. But how do you go about it? Let's talk about the challenges in picking out a good primary care doctor. First of all, the thing that's sort of the big elephant in the room picking out a good primary care doctor is your insurance, because you can pick great doctor, but if your insurance changes, or if your doctor is no longer in the insurance plan after six months or a year, it can be pretty, pretty frustrating. So before you seek out a primary care doctor, you are going to have to square away what's going on with your insurance plan, short-term, long-term. I know when people change jobs, for example, their insurance plan changes, so they have to change primary care doctors. Even, you know, uh, in Medicare HMOs and regular HMOs, uh, doctors fall off and on plans. So it's very frustrating to try to find a primary care doctor that you're going to have a very long relationship unless you really have a PPO uh, insurance plan or straight original Medicare with a supplement where you can stay with the same doctor for a very long time. So I think that's the first challenge. So, and I think the second challenge is, are we trying to talk about finding a doctor within a small network that's defined by insurance plan, or do we have what I call the carte blanche or the American Express insurance plan that lets us go anywhere and pick anyone? So let's compartmentalize that. So, if you have restricted networks because you're in an HMO or because you are in a Medicare Advantage program, you have to understand that whatever decision you make may not be long-lasting. Even if you keep the same plan, the doctors can fall off the plan. So, it's very, very touchy within a plan i think because you're you're restricted it actually is a little bit easier because literally there's you know just a, a small group of people to evaluate in that case you're really probably eva- evaluating the plan more than you are evaluating the primary care doctor because if you're in that kind of situation the network itself can be pretty frustrating if it's not a good network. One of the things that I tell people before they get into a defined network is just get a sense for what the network looks like. So find out how many doctors you have to choose from, find out how many locations you can see those doctors, and also find out how difficult it is to get to see the doctor. One of the cool things that I tell a lot of my friends is if you're thinking about seeing a doctor, Try calling the office and just see how difficult it is to make an appointment, even if you don't make one. You know, I always say the more options you get on that initial phone call probably is a marker for how difficult of a time you're going to have navigating that work system. And by that I mean, if you get option one, you know, when you call, hello, you know, if you want to make an appointment, hit one if you want your medical records hit two if you want to get lab results press three if you want to get prescription you know prescriptions hit four and then when you hit those there's more menus within it and you finally go through all that and then you get to the last menu and they say leave a message we'll call you back in 24 48 hours let me tell you something if i run a business and i miss your call and you could go somewhere else i'm answering the phone It takes a lot of balls, if I can say this. It takes a lot of balls to say, press one, press two, press three, press four. And then within that, say, press one, press two, press three, press four, and then say, okay, now you press that, press one, two, three, and then say, thanks, I'm sorry, no one's available. Leave a message, we'll call you back in 24 hours. That screams, you got no choice. That is pretty much classic for you're gonna be in a lot of hurt. Because by and large, if you're in a system that does that to you, it's probably a marker of other things to come. So that is such a simple thing to do. So if you're thinking of signing up for, if you have a choice, of a certain network or a certain insurance plan with a network, try doing that. In fact, try showing up at the office and seeing what the waiting room looks like. You know, I know that's a lot of pain and anguish to go through. But it's also can save you a lot, a lot of hardship. I think part of it is managing expectations. If you have no choices or financially, this is the right choice for you, you may wanna live with all that. Or you may actually find out it's a great company and you know you can get through to a receptionist most of the times right away. And by the way, let me just clarify, every office has a bad hour or two, you know, or a bad moment or two, but if that's consistent, yeah, that's not going to be fun. But you do have options. Check out the network. How many doctors, how many nurse practitioners, how many PAs? The other thing about define networks in an HMO or PPO is a lot of times you're, you may or may not be able to see the doctor. There's also other providers that may be sort of available to see you, such as nurse practitioners, PAs. Nurse practitioners and PAs are, are amazing. So doc, a lot of doctors are, are very good, but at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with who you want to see. So if you're actually bent on seeing an MD as your primary care, you may wanna research that out before you sign up for that plan. And a lot of times, you, know, you may be assigned to an MD but get to see a nurse practitioner and PA, which is okay, but you should be aware that that may happen. So those are some of the tricky issues in looking at a narrow network and trying to pick a physician. And in most of those cases, it is possible to have one physician for a very long time, but it's also possible that because of the stuff I mentioned earlier, that you may not be able to keep the same position for an extended period of time. So let's switch over and then talk about what happens if you do have the carte blanche or the American Express insurance card, where you can go anywhere, anytime. Now, that's going to be a whole different strategy. When you're selecting any physician now you have literally the whole city to pick from and by the way if if you travel a lot or if you're a snowbird or whatever these are the kind of insurance plans that really allow you flexibility you can actually have a primary care doctor in your hometown and if you go away for the summers to your whatever cabin or wherever you go in the summer or in the winter you can have another primary care doctor in theory or see someone else because of because that you have because you have that flexibility. So in searching out for a primary care doctor, I think some of the things we talked about earlier which is, you know, call the office, go visit the office and also find out if they're the only clinician that will be routinely seeing you. Of course, providers go on vacations and what have you and, you know, the things come up. But I mean Unbalanced, is that the person you're going to be seeing? Even within sort of private groups that are not tied to HMOs, there are physician extenders. There's clinicians like PAs and, and, and nurse practitioners. So just be aware if you're signing up for that practice, if you will be seeing other clinicians or just the one that you've researched and found. Also, sometimes they have other MD partners that rotate depending on the day. And so just be aware of that schedule. You know, a lot of us really yearn for having a healthcare quarterback. And I think we get disappointed when we realize that we thought we had a healthcare quarterback, but because, like I said earlier, because of the HMO plan that with switches as, or even in, in a regular practice because the doctor uh, is not available on certain days. So just really get a sense for the availability and how much access you're going to have to that primary care doctor. Okay, so I think that we kind of talked about how to go about understanding how you're going to have access to the primary care doctor. But also let's talk about, you know, how to pick one that's right for you. You know, a lot of primary care doctors, uh, while... Do a lot of things, a lot of primary care. T- you know, tend or often specialize in certain areas, or tend to see a certain number, certain types of patients. Some see a lot more sports medicine. Some people literally are family practitioners, where they can see uh, adolescent as well as adults. And then there are you know practices that focus more on geriatric. I don't think it's a bad idea to figure out if there is a certain flavor to that practice and to that doctor. In terms of the doctor specifically, obviously, there's a lot of review sites, and and of course, you can certainly search those out. But it's been my experience, some of those review sites, you know, may or may not paint the whole picture. What I would recommend is, because you have the flexibility to not be locked in, is to make an appointment and go in and see how that goes. In terms of you know the doctor himself or herself, I think it's important to find out, for example, where they went to medical school, where they went for their residency and, and internship, and then factor that into your decision making. Um, I think there are amazing doctors, almost regardless of where they went to medical school, where they did their residency, but you know it's certainly some information to think about and look at. Uh, I'm sure that information is readily available, and you know, I would recommend you know incorporating that and digesting that into your thinking. The one thing I do want to share with you is I think if if there is any sense that your primary care doctor is going to be taking care of you as an outpatient but is also going to take care of you when you're in the hospital, I think those days are pretty much gone. So, Understand when you're picking a primary care doctor, you're probably only picking him for your outpatient needs. The days that your doctor would come and see you in the hospital and take care of you and then kind of get you discharged and say, see you back in the office, I think for the most part, those days are gone. So understand that when you're picking a primary care doctor, you're specifically picking a pri- primary care doctor for an outpatient setting so having said that uh, be aware that if you get admitted to a hospital you need to also understand what kind of doctor you're going to see there again if you're in a limited plan with a limited network the doctors you're going to see there are going to be predefined and you could research and, and find that out not only the doctors but also which hospitals are in network if you have an unrestricted sort of insurance plan where you can go to almost any hospital and have any doctor take care of you it's still going to be an issue because your primary care doctor will probably not be the one to see in the hospital however that may be an interesting conversation to have with your primary care doctor to say hey i know you've been taking care of me you're doing a great job whatever but on the off chance that I have to be admitted to the hospital, you know, who is going to take care of me? Depending on the hospital you go to, your primary care doctor may not have a choice, but theoretically he may have an idea of which hospital will be taken care of by which group of doctors. So ask for that. I don't know to what extent they're going to have input, but you should at least think about that because you will probably not be able to pick your doctor in an emergency situation. If you've landed in a hospital, especially if you've gone through the ER, you're probably going to be assigned a doctor or more likely a hospitalist. I think we touched upon it a little bit earlier that because of some of the changes in managed care, it's more and more challenging to, keep a primary care doctor. I mean, a lot of people can pull it off, but a lot of people can't. And what's lost in that is that, you know, there are some studies that show one third of all visits to a primary care doctor is not for anything other than reassurance. I mean, not everybody going to their primary care doctor really has a medical problem. They may have a concern, they may have a physical symptom, but it may not be a medical problem. And, you know, in the old days when you could keep your primary care doctor, that was a big part of them being able to figure out, oh, Susie's here because, I don't know, she's going through a tough time or whatever, and to just give the reassurance that, you know, these headaches are okay and we'll follow it, but, Let's kind of keep an eye on it, but I think you're okay. I, I think it's nothing to worry about. And that was really a service that primary care physicians provided, reassurance. It's a service, right? Because you're concerned, you, you want someone in a white coat that you trust tell you, come on, don't worry about it, it's nothing. I mean, that's what you want metaphorically. And if you're changing primary care doctors every year or two, and you don't have that relationship. I think it would be difficult or more difficult for primary care doctors to look at you and say, Oh, I know Susie. This, uh, she's, you know, this, like, obviously this is related to this or related to that. So I think, I think that's the unfortunate part. And I think for the people who can keep a primary care doctor for long stretches, I think that's really an added benefit because not only are you getting the medical expertise that you need when you need it but you're also getting the reassurance when there is nothing serious to to worry about. So you have someone that will calm your nerves and say, "Hey, you know, don't worry about that. That doesn't sound like it's going to be serious." So as you search for a primary care doctor, just understand it's not just a service you're getting that could just be easily exchanged with another person the next day potentially. But if you want that reassurance and that sort of connection, yeah, you're going to have to find a primary care doctor that you can see for a very long time. And the more more of a relationship you develop, the more they're going to understand you and also help you make decisions when, when there's a tough call. Sometimes when there's a tough call to be made, the fact that your physician knows you can help determine what direction he or she recommends you go. Certainly, I know in my career, there've been times where knowing my patient allowed me to decide to, you know, maybe go ahead and, you know, do a biopsy because the not knowing would be a big part of this patient's psyche and would provide some comfort that, you know, simply observing might not, if, if, if that issue was on the fence. So understanding your patient only comes from time and and having a relationship. So when you pick a primary care doctor, you're not just picking them for their medical expertise. You're p- picking them for their ability to get to know you, understand you, and help you navigate your healthcare. I mean, one of the interesting things about the COVID pandemic is a lot of health insurances uh, and Medicare didn't allow telemedicine and certainly didn't allow it across state lines and they didn't allow telemedicine because I think the feeling was that we're losing something that's essential in the doctor-patient interaction, which is them physically touching you and examining you. And I think with the best of intentions, I think telemedicine was frowned upon because... Mm-hmm. I mean, now there's some technology for it, but there was no stethoscope in a a telemedicine visit, right? There's no otoscope, they're they're not looking in your eyes, they're not feeling your belly, and theoretically, something could be missed in a telemedicine visit, because yes, you know, I think most seasoned doctors will tell you 90% of all diagnoses are made by getting the history. And yes, on telemedicine, you can maybe see a rash or something, But 90% of diagnosis can be often done, especially in primary care, just by hearing the story from the patient. But occasionally, and I don't know what that percent is, 5, 10, whatever it is, you actually need to examine the patient. And so one of the downsides of telemedicine is you may lose that. And one of the upside, of course, is, of course, you have more reach, more more access. So I think it's a balancing act in telemedicine, and we could have a whole episode on that, but it's a balancing act where you are missing out on the physical exam. And I think that's why for the longest time there was a lot of resistance in allowing or approving it, except under very special circumstances. I think the the consideration is, you know, are we going to give any value to the clinician's length of experience and training and the kind of training that he or she has had. So while medical knowledge may be equal, potentially, you know, there is no substitute for, you know, experience. So that doesn't mean, you know, everyone who's been practicing medicine longer is naturally better. But it certainly means that a really great doctor out of the gate, who's also had a lot of experience for, you know, even 5, 10, 15 years, bring something to the table that, you know, would be a big asset, if that makes sense. Because, you know, if a doctor can bring that much to the table in addition to the, you know, great training, great knowledge, that's going to be a huge win. So yes. Yeah, so if you have something serious, yeah, looking at a doctor who is a, a standout in that, you know, in, in a in a specific area would be valuable. I, I think people underestimate the the changes that, you know, within primary care doctors, nurse practitioners, and PA, the range of talent knowledge and ability to diagnose just like anything just like just like in anything else i mean there there is going to be a range of medical know-how expertise savviness and also the ability to not know what they don't know but know that is serious enough that they need to investigate further or refer the person in a timely fashion all those are things that you know we know just By nature, you know there may be some variation in in that that talent. Uh, So yes, if it's a cold, I guess you know, or if it's just a minor thing, then it's okay. And one more thing, you know, in the last episode we were talking about Medicare and Medicare Advantage, but I think that ties into you know this ability to keep a doctor because in Medicare Advantage, uh, you know you're tied into the network, you're tied into the company that's running your Medicare Advantage, you're not tied in necessarily to the doctor. So with Medicare Advantage, that doctor may leave that company, or if they're a contracted doctor, they may decide not to carry that Medicare Advantage, and they can just terminate their relationships. So that also would impact your ability to keep a primary care doctor, even if you chose one that you were happy with. So there's another thing that, that will that you need to keep in mind when selecting a primary care doctor. If you're doing it inside a program like that, you know, things may change. And the last thing is, you know, Medicare Advantage programs, um, you know, are one-year contracts. And at the end of one year, all the rules can change. The program can change, the doctors can change. Now often they don't, but you have to be potentially prepared for that. I think the other thing to consider when picking a primary care doctor um, is to also understand the difference between a family practitioner and a general internist or internal medicine specialist. I think both are amazing choices for a primary care doctor and for most adults it probably is roughly equal, especially now that primary care doctors, the ones that are outpatient stay outpatient. I, I think in the past internists may have had a leg up because they probably had more, potentially more hospital experience. But now that it's roughly equal, I would say in terms of um, equal in the sense that they both don't go to the hospital um, I potentially. I think the family practitioner is someone who's also trained to take care potentially of pediatrics and often they've trained in OBGYN. gyn so if you have the kind of situation where you're going to want your kids and potentially you know your wife in terms of pregnancy and other things to be seen by the same doctor you may want to find out if a family practitioner you're considering does do pediatrics or OB, I think less and less are doing OB, but that would give you some flexibility in terms of having really almost a family doctor. Of course, a general internal medicine doctor will not see pediatrics and will not see anyone pregnant. So, you know, that's a clear line in the sand and they're only going to see adults. Could you argue that because they're not as focused in, in other things that an internist is a better primary care doctor? I don't think so. I think, I think internists and family practitioners are relatively interchangeable on adult medicine. While having said that, there are internists that have special areas of focus. You know, the last thing I, I really wanted to talk about, and I already said that was the last thing, but this is really the last thing, is um, concierge medicine. Which is another form of primary care. Uh, concierge medicine medicine has been around for a while, but it certainly has evolved. And it is really so, for someone who we talked about has a plan that allows them to go out of network, as well as has as well as have the financial wherewithal to to handle it. Most concierge primary care doctors for a price offer you more services more contact more availability and more time per every visit often they can charge you know maybe even a couple hundred dollars a month extra which is aside from any insurance that you might use with them and what that gives you is sort of theoretically often unlimited access to come in to see them often very long appointments maybe as long as an hour especially your first appointment and in some cases you have access to their cell phone, maybe even on nights and weekends and so that is you know as close as you can get to the old old traditional doctor that knows you inside out. So concierge medicine of course is not for everybody it's very pricey and you know it's like anything else you you have to find a concierge doctor that not only you can afford but also, you connect with and have a good relationship with. I think concierge medicine is also great for people who have complex medical issues or really need someone to be involved in, you know, navigate, helping them navigate their healthcare. Uh, some people, for whatever reason, can make decisions and and navigate their healthcare, you know, just by seeing their primary care doctors sporadically and even different doctors other ones need the rapport and you just have to decide you know if it's worth the extra financial outlay to set up that kind of arrangement and just like with other doctors checking out their where they went to medical school residency uh checking out their office and and seeing if it's a good fit for you is also important thank you for listening you can check out my website jonathanbaktari.md.com to sign up for my newsletter, and you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel Baktari MD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. Also, please check out my website jonathanbaktari.md.com, where you can subscribe to my newsletter and get more information about healthcare. I'll see you next week on the next episode for one-of-a-kind insight into healthcare. Know what the experts know. Take care and be well.